Welcome to Sealing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. When we take a look at the book of the Revelation, the Revelation of Jesus Christ, not the Revelation of the Antichrist, that God gave it to him to show unto his servants things. Now those are the things of faith, as was mentioned before in previous podcasts and over the live streaming, etc. we've done on the instructional videos. But what is the work of the ministry? We're all called in the body of Christ for the work of the ministry. It's those that come unto perfection, full-grown, mature. Now, what does that mean? We see in Hebrews 6 that Paul, talking to that, the Hebrews, stated that in Hebrews 6, therefore leaving, and say forget, but leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Let us go on unto perfection. That means that there is a progressive glory from faith to faith, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. But how much is full grown? How much is perfection? And that, we see in the Word of God, is a full measure of the statue of Jesus. For Paul states in his epistle that whom God did foreknow, and according to the foreknowledge of God, he did predestinate, predestination, predestinate all the body of Christ to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And we've all read that. But what is the ultimate perfecting of the saints, full maturity? Is it just being born again? Well, of course not. He expects us to grow up to the full measure of the statue of Jesus. And we see that in Ephesians 4. So them that he predestinated, them he also called. Now, many are called and few chosen. So there's many that will go and start the race, but will not finish it. And Paul stated, Don't you know that we all run in a race, but only one run to the prize, therefore run that you may obtain. Now, that requires a diligent seeking God on our part. Then obedience unto righteousness, Romans 6, unto holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. But then, after we're chosen, that's not the end. Those that he chose uh, there, then he justified. Now, justification is by faith. We realize that. You're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. But yet it requires works that accompany salvation, as we see in Revelation, the second and the third chapter, because to the seven churches of Asia, which John was over, then we see that Jesus states to each one, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea, I know thy works. He's looking for works that accompany salvation under perfection. We see that with Sardis. And he tells Sardis, I have not found your works perfect. And same way with Ephesus. He said, I have somewhat against you. You left your first love. Now, how important or essential to salvation is it? Well, he tells Ephesus that you are to repent and do your first works over. Lest I come and remove your candlestick out of its place. Then there's no light. And that candlestick's the light of the half egg of beaten olive oil over against the table of shoebread to give us the revelation of the word. And so with God, it's all or nothing. We see that. Either gather, scatter, for or against. There's no just straddling the fence with the Lord. Those that are at ease in Zion, God says, Woe, 
be unto them that are at ease in Zion. So we are to stir ourselves up and search the Lord diligently with a pure heart in order to see God in this last day work. Now, many think, well, we're saved and that's sanctified by saying the sinner's prayer or asking Jesus to come into our heart, which is not even born again. Now, that's why that in our ministry, uh, the DVM team, that we have gone to Africa since 2012. And during that time, have many ministers' conferences and crusades. Cost us over a million dollars there in the ministry uh, there before COVID. And we saw great results that we have over a thousand ministers, pastors, evangelists that came out of the Trinity denomination into the true Jesus-only doctrine of Christ, the true doctrine of Christ, which is the foundation of the church. Now, that is the essential teaching of Christ is necessary for the church to build upon without that foundation, no matter how much truth is built upon a faulty foundation. When the winds blow and the rains beat against the house and the floods come, then it will fall and great will be the fall of it. Jesus said, I liken him to a wise man who dig deep. You got to go through the sand. Don't build that house on the sand on the first thing you hear and just take a man's word for it because he's got some kind of a doctrine of divinity or a PhD of theology. And you think, well, he's going to a seminary. He should know what he's talking about. And these are good men, no, no doubt about it. But are they in the truth? There, all of our goodness before God, our own righteousness is as but filthy rags before the Lord, and the tradition of the elders have made the word of God in effect. So the burden's on us to find and to seek out the truth of the word of God, and then when we find it, to obey it. Not enough to be a hear of the word, but a doer of the word. And Jesus stated that, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I tell you? And that's the reason he said, not all that say unto me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in, in Matthew 7, they knew that Jesus is the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, the Father of glory. They're little children. They've been born again and grown to the next state of glory, which is little children. We say that in 1 John 2, 12-14. John in his epistle said, I write to you little children because you've known the Father. Well, to know the Father is just as Jesus stated in uh, John 13, and the gospel according to John, he stated, I'm sorry, John 8, 13 through 27, he stated, if you had known me, you should have known my father. And in John 14, again, he states, if you had known me, you should have known the father. And he states there, if you see me, you've seen the father. Now, Philip asked him, Lord, show us the father, and that suffices us. That'll be sufficient. And Jesus then, not a reproof, but stated a declarative statement of that truth. And he said uh, that to Philip, and he asked that question, or makes a statement, Lord, show us the Father. Now, certainly that's something we need to know for to go from little uh, newborn babes to little children. So Philip says, show us the Father. Lord, causing Lord, show us the Father, and that suffices us. That'll be sufficient. And Jesus said, have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known 
meet the man, Christ Jesus. He that has seen me has seen the Father. Now, and he said, believe me, that I'm in my Father, or Father in me, or believe me for the work's sake. Now, the works. Why? The words that I speak are not mine. Well, where did you get them? From the Father. He said, the Father that dwelleth in me houses permanently in me forever. The full manifestation of God, grace and truth, came by Jesus, the man. There, grace and truth came by Jesus, and he revealed the invisible God. God is invisible. No man has seen God at any time and lived. He is the omnipotent, almighty, omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, everywhere, invisible spirit of God, having all power, all authority, and that is God Almighty. That's Jehovah. That's the Tetragrammaton. That's Elohim, the plural of Eloah, and all of his attributes from A to Z, the Aleph to the Tav, the Alpha to the Omega. But no man has seen God any time, but the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So the work of the ministry in the last days will be on the revelation and based upon the revelation of Jesus Christ. That will be the prerequisite for anyone that is sealed in the apocalyptic sealing of Revelation 7. We have to have that revelation in order to be sealed because it is the revelation of Jesus in the faith that was once delivered to the saints and that faith is the substance of things, so far, the evidence of things not seen. The things which are seen are temporal. The things which are not seen are eternal. And it's a revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave unto him to show unto his servants, the real true servants of God, things which must shortly come to pass. Sentence signified it. That's a sign, a lot of, that is the seal to the word of God signified it by his angel unto John. Now, it is noteworthy that John's in the spirit of Elijah because as John the Baptist forerun Jesus' first coming as the suffering Messiah, the Hamashiach ben Yosef, the suffering Messiah, John was not in Zechariah, but John was to be his name in the spirit of Elijah forerun Jesus' first coming. Well, that's the former rain that we find in the book of Acts, the second chapter. After there, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that forerunning of Jesus, that suffering Messiah was forerun by John the Baptist in the spirit of Elijah. That states in for us in Matthew 17. They came to Jesus and they said, Why do the disciples of John say that Elijah must first come, asking Jesus that after coming down off the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus said, Elijah truly must first come and restore all things. Why? Because in Acts 3, 20 and 21, it says the heavens must receive Jesus until the times of the restitution or restoration of all things. All things of faith, or faith is the substance of things, hope or the evidence of things not seen. So the heavens must receive Jesus. He's in heaven until the restitution of all things, until all faith is restored to the saints of the living God, and we're called to be saints. The whole body of Christ is called to be saints. Paul states that 
in salutations in the different epistles that he wrote. Why? Because saints are sanctified, holy, both spirit, soul, and body. How are we sanctified? Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And Jesus is that spirit of truth, the Father of glory, the Holy Ghost. And when we see and understand that Jesus in the days of his flesh, showing us the way, the truth, and the life as a man, made in under the law, Galatians 4, verse 4, then we do the same things, walk in the light, as he's in the light. Now he's glorified and has given us of his spirit, the Christ in us now, the hope of glory. Now that's a great truth because Jesus talking to his disciples stated that I'll pray the Father to send you another comforter. And most people stop there. Whom the world cannot receive because it saith him not, neither knoweth him. Now keep going. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you. In other words, Jesus was with his disciples and shall be, future tense, in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Jesus is stating that at a future date, that he will be glorified, not as a man of flesh and blood, but with the Father's own self as spirit, and then come and fill his disciples with that Holy Ghost, that comforter, which Jesus is. So the glorification is required before Jesus can give us the Holy Ghost because he is the Holy Ghost. And he states there, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And then in Acts, the first chapter, Jesus told him to go into the upper room and wait for the promise of the Father, which said, you've heard of me. Because why? The Father is the same as the glorified Son, as we see in Galatians 4, verse 6. God has sent forth the Spirit. That's a capital S. Of his Son into our hearts, whereby we cry, have a Father. Because the Spirit of the Son and the Spirit of the Father is one and the same Spirit. Now, Jesus, to get it to us, had to become one of us. And that is why he made himself of no reputation. Philippians 2, 6. And that is not some reputation. He made himself of no reputation, a self-imposed limitation, making himself void there for to be a man made in under the law. And Adam, after the fall, to redeem us that were under the law. We see that in Galatians 4, verse 4. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, not a spirit, senior, saying the spirit, junior, go down and die for the sin of the world. So bringing this doctrine of Christ to Africa, there in uh, many missionary trips, personally going there in our ministry team, that there's over, well over, and that's not hyperbole, over a thousand ministers and pastors and evangelists that have come out of a Trinity three-person Godhead to the Jesus-only doctrine of Christ. Now, this is where we need your help. They're saying now, we thank you that you've come and you've shown us this truth to get us into the true Christ. But that's just the beginning. We're just beginning the race. Now, they're begging and pleading, please lead us on. Where do we go from here? And that's where we need you to join with us. Either personally going with me or with your financial support 
as well as your prayerful support. That minute, that a door wide and effectual will be open to us. We know there's many adversaries, but God will prevail. The word of God will never return void. It was always accomplished that word and sent. And we've seen that great thrust of the word of God and the power busting through the tradition of the elders. Let's make the word of God in that effect. And they have received that word. Now, with all these pastors, and we're literally bombarded daily, that please do not leave us here that we've come out of the Trinity doctrine. We're in the one God doctrine now, and that doctrine of Christ, that mystery that we have received that you have brought to us. But now, where do we go from here? And that's where we bring it to you. We need your help. Those that are listening, and 75% of our downloads on our podcast are in America. We, the blessed nation on the face of this earth, even though the evil men and seducers trying to take it over. Still, God will send forth the feet of the ox and the ass to those uh, that will send forth the word of God, casting uh, our bread upon the waters, and it will return not many days hence in this ministry of giving and receiving, and God will bless you, not only supplying your needs, but your wants, and you will be there rel- relatively through according to as a measure that you give is relative to how your blessings that you're going to receive. And God loves a cheerful giver, but he said, give, and as you have meted it out, it'll be measured to you again. If we want mercy, we have to show ourselves merciful. If we want friends, we have to show ourselves friendly. And we sow in kind, we reap in kind. And there is, in this grace also, in 2 Corinthians 8 and 2 Corinthians 9, this ministry of giving and receiving. So those that God is dealing with, and you have thought about becoming a part of this ministry and partnering with us, I even invite you to go personally with me to these nations. They're in Africa, Ghana, Kenya, Tanzania, Uh, Not only that, Uganda, uh, Congo, the DRC, uh, they're in India. It's opened up there to ministers that are coming in uh, that we cannot keep up with that have heard of the great truth that's been preached and coming out of Africa now is in India uh, with men there uh, in Andhra Pradesh, uh, Bombay. Uh, There are so many that are begging We've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, We've been born again of the water and the spirit, Acts 2.38. Now, where do we go from here? That's just the beginning. So they come in as newborn babes, desire them sincere milk of the word they may grow thereby, but they're unskillful in the word of righteousness, which is the growing up into Jesus and all things and all truth. That's Hebrews 5. When Paul stated to that church, He said uh, that when you ought to be teachers, you have need to be taught again of the first principles of the oracles of God. And he said that you have need of milk and not of strong meat. You can't handle it. And he's talking about the work of the ministry with Melchizedek and that priesthood, which we are all called for as kings and priests into the Lord Jesus, where we will reign and rule with him a thousand years at the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. But he said, if you're not able, it's hard to be uttered, seeing you're dull of hearing. 
Paul can bring it to them. Now, the ones over there in Africa and India, and as well in the United States, as well as Europe, that are listening to the podcast, and you're saying, I know it's true, but then make a move on it. Don't procrastinate. Become one with us. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you a standing invitation to go with me. In the ministry team, if you're called, there as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ or in the fivefold apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, go with me. And we'll show you the work that we are doing and the money going for the gospel of Jesus Christ and not for our own benefit. For there, the ministry, we have sold houses and lands and we live in mobile homes there on a small acreage over here in the United States simply to bring this word and all of the finances as much as can go for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Of course, there's necessities, food, clothing, shelter. We realize that. But for the bulk of it, you have to be rich toward God, not rich toward yourself. And we are open there to show anyone the bottom line of what we're doing and where we're going and the amount of money spent in the ministry for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There in Africa, we have over a thousand ministers and it's growing almost to that point right now in India that are coming into the Jesus Christ International Church, which is our ministry there in Africa, India, and the various nations that we are going under that title of a fellowship. Now, I say a fellowship. Now, let me explain what that is. It's not a denomination. Denominations rule in the affairs of the local church government. But the Word of God never says that we should do that. That's the reason you ordain elders in every church, as Paul told Timothy and Titus. These, these elders in the churches, they are the bishops. They are the ones that have the daily control and governing of the local body, the local churches, not a central uh, headquarters of a church. That was never meant to be and never has been literally ordained of God. The local church body of the elders in that church govern the local body. So therefore, we don't have a denomination. We have a fellowship, and a fellowship is to know them that labor among you, not governing over any local church, but simply set up as a fellowship of believers and ministers that are in like faith, like-minded, and one mind and one accord, to know each other, know them that labor among you. This is under the Jesus Christ International Church. That's where we have it here in America, as well as in Africa and India, and now you're asking uh, to, to go into Pakistan, Nepal, uh, various nations as well. Uh, we're doing the best we can uh, with this uh, financial status that we're in, state that we're in now. We hear your cry, we hear your plead, and your request to bring it. There we're asking those that God is dealing with there to partner with us, or to literally take an active role and go with us, personally go with us. And I invite you that we will be more than uh, honored to have you go with us and see the work that God is doing. It is exponential in uh, the power of God going through these nations, uh, breaking the yokes that that have been on these people for so many years in false doctrine. And when we do that, they are so 
liberated in the power of God and the joy unspeakable and full of glory that it is it bounds to many thanksgiving to the Lord Jesus Christ, and we thank God for it. There, we need your help. Now, the Jesus Christ International Church is not a denomination. We do not rule in or govern in the local church government. That is simply left up to the elders that are elected over the churches there in Africa and India. We do not usurp authority over them. It's a fellowship. And by doing that, then they ask us, you started this work. We are now running in a race, and we're in that race. Now, where do we go? Where do we go from here? Show us where we are to be led on. Contact me, and we will uh, be more than happy to let you scrutinize what we're doing, to be a part of it, and the souls that will be in uh, your reward in heaven simply because you took part of the work of the ministry that God's doing in these last days. Now, many stay in their local churches, denominations. That's wonderful. That's fine. I'm talking to the ones that God's dealing with, the ones that want more, and you know there's more to this gospel of Jesus Christ than simply being born again. Those are newborn babes. Desire the sincere milk of the word, they may grow thereby, but you don't stay there. Then you grow up to him and all things, and the next stage his little children, and you know that Jesus is the Father. You see that in 1 John 2, 12 through 14. I write in your little children because you know the Father. You went from newborn babies to little children. You've grown in that inward man, but you don't stop there because then you have to get the Word of God in you, doing the will of God, and then obedience unto righteousness, unto holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord in Romans 6. You see in Romans 12, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but get transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God for each of us is. And when you do that, then you're pleasing to the Lord, working out your own salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it's God that worketh in you individually both the willing to do of his goodwill, of his pleasure, where he can say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, because you've done the will of God. In Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and the constitution of the kingdom of heaven, you've done the will of God. You're pleasing to the Lord by faith. And when you do that, then you're rewarded accordingly. But there's still another step in growth, which God has called us all for, and that is going unto Fathers. Now we see the overcomers in Revelation the second and third chapter. And Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Then he is, uh, Jesus is stating in the word of God coming to them in the voice of the Son of God. There I know thy works. And he tells them where they are and what is uh, lacking. He tells them what they are doing that is good but yet what is lacking in perfection? Going to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. And by doing so, those are the overcomers. And those who are referenced by John in his epistle, 1 John 2, 12 through 14, I write unto you young men, you've grown from newborn babes to little children. You know that Jesus is the Lord, the Father of glory. Now 
And you've got that mystery of Christ, of God and the Father and of Christ. In him are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You know he's the Father. Then you go to that step of young men. They're the overcomers. And he writes that in 1 John 2, 12 through 14. I write to you, young men, because the word of God is strong in you. And you've overcome the wicked one. You've overcome the world, the devil, and your own flesh. You now are going to be vessels meet for the master's use and will be qualified for the apocalyptic ceiling in Revelation 7. Those are fathers. Small f, lowercase, and that are the ones that will be sealed in Revelation 7 in the final growth state to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ growing up into him in all things and all truth so that we're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And that is where God fitly frames the body of Christ and compacts it according to the measure of every part. part. According to the measure of every part is the measure of faith given to each member in particular. And that's what God's doing now. And it will rise up a great army. I've had some of the ministers call me and said, we have been prophesied too. There's going to be apostles going to be leading or whatever, uh, in this last day work. Well, there will be many in the body of Christ. It will be led of the Holy Ghost in him alone. Then the apostles would simply be servants to the Lord Jesus Christ in him only. The Lord will fitly frame the body of Christ together, not a man. And then he will compact it, seal it. And when he does that, It's according to the measure of every part. You see that in Ephesians 4. It's according to the measure of faith in each individual part. And God has said that the eye can't say the hand, I have no need of you. The hand can't say the foot, I have no need of you. Because God has placed the more abundant honor on the less comely parts. There'd be no chism or division in the body. And that's the reason why the body comes together. And it's all irrespective of whatever... Uh, age, culture, or whatever, we're talking about the love of God that he is and has no respect of persons for each one of us. He died once and for all for each individual person to come and do his will, the purpose of God. Now, to find out, the quest for life is to find out and do that will of God, his purpose for your life. And those that do that will come together in one body, not a denomination. It will be a body of Christ, that family of God that fills heaven and earth, of whom the whole family of God is named that name, Jesus. And they will be the ones that take this everlasting gospel to all the world for witness in all nations, and then the end will come. They'll speak the same things and be in one mind and one accord just it was as it was in the day of Pentecost when it was fully come in Acts of second chapter. They will be in one mind and one accord in the last day move of God in tabernacles. They will not be Pentecostals. They will be tabernacleists. They will be the ones that have gone on to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ, not as just newborn babies, not as little children, but they've grown up not as young men, been doing the will of God, but coming up to the last day, final glory to be revealed in the saints before the second advent, and that is 
fathers. As John states in this epistle, 1 John 2, 12 through 14, I write unto you fathers because you have known him that's from the beginning. I have written unto you fathers because you have known him that's from the beginning. What is him that's from the beginning? It's not a trinity. It's not a binary tunis. It's not a oneness doctrine. It's a Jesus-only doctrine of Christ, and it is the Word of God. And in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And know Him, that's from the beginning, is that Word of God, that will and purpose of God from the foundation of the world. The fathers know that. And not only know it, but proclaim it to all the world for witness in all nations, and they are the one sealed that God is doing now through his word in Revelation 7 to seal the servants of God in their forehead. Having the mind of Christ, they will not be deceived. They've added to their faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, self-control, temperance, patience. The patience had their perfect work. Patience, godliness, the God life, and the godliness, brotherly kindness, and then charity, which will cover a multitude of sins and is the bond, guarantee of perfectness. And these things that if they are in you, there's no chance of failing or falling from the grace of God, going on to the measure of the stature of Jesus Christ, having the seal of the living God in Revelation 7, as they will be the ones that will proclaim this everlasting gospel to all the world, for witness in all nations, and they are the two olive trees. Those two olive trees are the cherubim of glory of the living creatures of the Zoe in Revelation 4 and 5, or the beasts that are for before the throne of God. They're not angels. They are the redeemed of the Lord, as you see in Revelation 5. If God's dealing with you, we want to urge you, please contact me, become a part of our ministry, become a part of this servants as service to the Lord Jesus Christ and this kingdom message, this kingdom of God that must be preached into all the world for a witness unto all nations, not just a uh, repentance and from dead works that go on. They're not just the little children, but not just the young men, but fathers full grown in the Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus is coming back for her church without spot, without blemish, perfect in all her ways, a glorious church. Let's don't stop. Let's don't take anything less than that full glory of Jesus stirring ourselves up. Now I'll lay it before you. We need your help. We need the body of Christ to come together. I'll wait for your phone call. There, leave a message. I'll get right back to you. We're looking forward to meeting you. Plus one. That's the country code. 903, area code 746-4885. Leave me a message. Hey, Brother Barrett, I'd like to join with you in this work of the ministry. I will get back to you and be honored and look forward to working with you. There, you can also drop me an email at Sealing God's People. This will also be a tag at the end of there again of how you can email me, sealinggodspeople at dennisbeard.org. Please don't procrastinate the 
night is far spent, the day is at hand. These things must shortly come to pass. God is doing it now. Let's don't let this new wine fail in us. Let's don't let the oil languish. Let's press on toward the mark for the prize for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Well, yes, until the next time, please stay tuned for how to contact us, the ebooks that are available to you. We need your help. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold the real Jesus.